0: Welcome to Let's Get Social with me, Philip Twyver, to the Curly Marketer, social media strategist and management.
1: And me, Eimear Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer.
0: So if you're confused about social media
1: or not sure what channels to use, well, we've got you covered on
0: Let's Get Social.
1: Well, it's the weekend. It's
0: hard to believe. How
1: has your week been?
0: It's been busy, uh, definitely breaking out the new fleeces. Feeling cold, Emer.
1: Uh, but listen, on a Friday, it's always warm here
0: Yes, yes, well, it's actually It's uh, it's the thoughts of maybe a nice crackling fire That's keeping me warm later
1: Well, it's not. It's definitely not your crackling jokes anyway So, um, well, all I can say is in January And I know, it do, is it me or does it just feel like it's a very long month? Um, I'm always it
0: always feels like a long month yeah. yeah,
1: I'm always tempted to look at summer holidays and things like that mm. You know, open a magazine Well, you don't get them anymore Do you get them printed? Um, okay, go online, have a look.
0: Always go online these days, yeah. And like, I suppose who knows if you're bit going to summer holidays? Fingers crossed, maybe. I
1: know. Well, hopefully this year we can. Yeah. Um, but this is something I find which might interest you. Like, it doesn't matter if you're in holidays or you could be out anywhere in Ireland, right? Yeah. yeah. I find this app, it'll make the most of your stay wherever you are, Philip. Yeah, this is know, critical. Yeah. yeah, I know my husband's always caught short always. Mm. I hope he doesn't hear me say this, but um, I'm always usually looking at Google Maps, you know, when you're thinking to find things that you really need. Maybe if you're writing a buy, you want to go somewhere nice. Yeah. Um, But I just downloaded an app called Flush Toilet Finder.
0: Wow. What made you want to look for that, Emir?
1: As I say, my husband's always getting cut. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And I actually went in and I thought, what is this all about? But... And I have to say, I'm quite impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you know, it's a bit tricky as I say, you're out and you cannot find a public bathroom anywhere. This helps you by providing you with the nearest toilets in your wow. location, with over, can you believe it, 190,000 bathrooms in its database?
0: So there's no excuse. For that no, quick trip you- to the uh, the nearest bush, you just yeah, use this app. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, so you can search without, also without any internet connection. Wow. So it's great for those emergency situations.
0: Absolutely. And does this app kind of provide information whether the bathroom you're going to is fully stocked up on the necessary requirements?
1: I don't think you're really worried about that when you're in an emergency situation. I suppose
0: it's very true. You just want to get somewhere and... Relieve.
1: Yeah, get the answer to your problem sorted. Wow.
0: Mm. Well, I think that's, as they say, flush tastic, Emer.
1: Oh, here we go.
0: <laughs> and that leads me on very nicely to uh, the social media joke of the episode. And I don't know if that particular line, Emer, was actually funnier than the joke today, but I suppose I'll soon find out, won't I? Ah. <sighs>
1: Um, I think I'm just going to go on the app here and I need to get to the
0: bathroom (laughs) (laughs) Quick No, Eimear, you need to say and listen to this joke Here you go Okay Why do digital marketers love to shop at the whole food aisle in the supermarket?
1: Um, Okay, I do not know
0: Because they know they'll find lots of organic content Oh, yeah
1: I'm getting back on that app now. Okay. <laughs> I think mean, there's an emergency about to happen. <laughs> but anyway, I uh, think we can flush that one away. Uh, but as ever, all I have to say is, if you find today's social media joke anyway engaging, I would love more of them. And you know my answer on that. You, you know are my not
2: answer?
1: <laughs> looking to do another one. No, you're not. Um, you can catch uh, these, uh, the rest of these jokes. I see my head's away today. And more and including the rest of our shows on hopping on to the Let's Get Social podcast on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Podbeam and the Dublin South FM website. So do go check them out.
0: Absolutely. There's some nuggets of gold there that you won't want to flush away. They'll make you a party superstar. So check them out.
1: Move on, Philip, quick. Move on. Okay,
0: (laughs) move on. After you, You Emers. What do we have? What are we talking about today?
1: Well, actually, I think it's uh, who we have with us today is going to really interest you, Philip. Um, Everyone loves story and uh, blogging, especially, as you know, has evolved over time. And today we are joined by an amazing content creator. We have Grace Vaughan of Sky Daddy Media with us. Not only is Grace a creative writing tutor, and freelance writer with published work with the Irish Independent, the Journal, and Mumsnet, EU Mom, Mummy Pages. The list goes on. And she's also a published children's author. The trouble with Benny Bubble. I'm interested in that. Yeah. It what do
0: you burst. think of that? Mm. His, his bubble was burst, was it? I don't know. Maybe that's why he's in trouble. Anyway. Anyway. Two three jokes. I'm laying down <laughs> for ticking ten today. <laughs>
2: back
0: on the but, app. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Grace also runs Sky Daddy Media with her husband, Emmett, offering personalized photography, videos and editorial packages in advertising, promotional events, web content and more. So without further ado, welcome Grace Vaughan to Let's Get Social.
2: How are you, Grace? I'm grand. I, I just love the fact that you've got me on a show about toilet humor. I'm trying not to make too <laughs> much. <into> it, <laughs> but I'm full of shh. <laughs>
1: and I thought it was actually a very good app because, you know, you never know where. You could get that short.
2: True, true. Mm-hmm. So thanks for having me here. It's very exciting. It's <laughs> okay, great, we always great to like have to you.
1: ask, we always like to ask before we think kick things off, what do you think of our
2: social media comedian? Well, I have to say to you, um, I find Philip funny because he's not meant to be funny, but he tries very <laughs> hard and that's the funniest bit.
0: <laughs> Grace. But I there's a
2: compliment in there, Philip. Promise. There is.
0: I'll have yeah. to try and really search deeply though for the compliment. But <laughs> mm. uh but thank you for that. Well
2: not too deeply.
0: <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not.
1: So, Grace, <laughs> um, it's great to have you here. Um, you've got such an interesting background there with being a, a writer and all that kind of thing. Um uh can you tell us a wee bit more about your own story, Grace, and where does your love of story
2: come from? Well, I suppose Emer, my love story comes from where I'm from, which is a stony grey soil. So um and we were brought up with story, raised on it. Everything was story, and you know, my father is a good storyteller. And I suppose story is something that keeps people in engaged, you know. And then when I went, when I I got older, I was always told, "Oh no, but you can't, you can't write for a living," because in those days, back in seventies and eighties, you didn't you didn't write for a living. Even journalism wasn't a thing. Uh, I suppose was even thought of anybody that was off the inclination of writing or anything to do with art. They had an overactive imagination. They were oversensitive. And, you know, I think that's probably one of the things that is working out well for me now. <laughs> but it's taken me nearly 40 years uh, to actually get to do what I really love, which is tell a story. And especially through business, because, you know, I think we're at a time now when story is very, very important. Because technology has gone so far, communication has gone so far, but we do have to get back to the basics and and the simple art of storytelling to describe a product or service. Um, And for me, the most interesting part of that is why a business do what they do, in particular a person who has set up the business. Because that's all, you'll always find that in there is the most interesting bit and the most unique bit of them and their business. It's funny because...
1: You know, as kids, like, you know, um, you would actually sort of say to yourself, I'm, I want to, you know, get the best message across. Um, You know, when you're listening, look back to like when you were a child and the, um, certain stories would stick with you, you know, that way. Um, You know, like, you know, even like, uh, I don't know, uh, Goldilocks and Three Bears. Like yeah. there's always a story behind that, even the story itself. Yeah,
2: yeah. And even you see in the adverts, you know, there's always like a symbolism that goes back to the storytelling you know whether it's porridge or like goldilocks and three bears like commercial businesses will always find something to tap us right back into childhood where yeah. love of story is you know
0: mm-hmm. and
2: we do identify the story you know when the story is, is is emotional and businesses and I know we say things like you know, business is not personal. Bloody is personal. <laughs> so, you know, um, everything.
1: Well, I mean, no no one finds any, you know, there's always like a story about any kind of business when it starts off. Like you think back to like when Disney started off, um, you know, it started in a garage. Walt Disney was in a garage um, and that's how it started. Um, and people are always curious about, you know, um, when you meet, um, you know, as a business owner, they're always asking, oh, how did you start into business? What, what's your story?
2: But that's, see, that's where the magic is, though. And, you know, I suppose, like, when it comes to to business um, and trying to engage with people, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to, you know, make them interested in a way that they can identify with or or invoke an emotion, you know. Hmm. Um, And if you can do it in a way that's engaging well, you know, that's half the battle. And I think, you know, people underestimate that we all have, the art of storytelling if you've been a child most children know how to tell a story so it's tapping back into that you know and a lot of business owners they get scared about it but you know they can all tell their own stories you know
0: like i think I think you're you're right, Grace. I think businesses now are suddenly realizing that you know moving away from all of the product features and what your product does and actually showcasing the story behind how your product has helped communities or people or whatever it might do, and how those people have integrated into their lives becomes very, very powerful because I remember I don't know if you ever heard that, that guy um Simon Sinek, uh, have you ever heard of him? Have you heard of him, Mimer? No, Simon no. Sinek? No. Very, very interesting guy. Um, very powerful kind of life insights that he gives. Um, but he was doing a presentation to, I think it was to to students or business owners, and or different times. But he kind of very much said, you know always kind of sit back and look at, you know, find your, your, why, you know, why are you doing something, you know, because out of that, you can create a, um, I suppose I'm paraphrasing, but you can kind of create a real story because when you understand your why for doing something, then it becomes a real connective piece that can allow people to identify with you and your business because you've started this passion for example, say maybe it is writing and people who maybe want to be writers can gain inspiration from your story, et cetera, et cetera. But I suppose um, when it comes to writing a good business story, Grace, um, you know, kind of what advice would you give to businesses, you know, that want to maybe craft something that's a little bit more authentic and real rather than just all about the the flashing marketing speak as such? Yeah. And
2: and you know what, Philip, just when you touch on that, it's so important Get in underneath all of the the marketing buzzwords and that because we've become so desensitized to marketing that we nearly glaze over when we hear the, the you know the, the usual uh, buzzwords. So what I'd always say, and I had a fantastic teacher. I I did a masters in creative writing in, in Dunleary, and I had a fantastic tutor called Owen Harris. He's a journalist and name dropped her, but anyway, and um, he introduced us to Aristotle, and Aristotle's. You know, he knew all about story. He knew about tragedy and all that kind of stuff. How important conflict is, you know, uh, the light and shade of story. And when it comes to business, you can actually apply that. Like even the the hero's journey, like we have to start somewhere. And when somebody sets up a business, they're they're starting on that journey. So if, for example, um, somebody gets into brand advertising or signage or something like that, for me, I always ask them, okay, where does that come from? And I'm kind of working with interesting people at the moment. And some of that has to do with their home products that they would have grew up with as a child. And that could be down to porridge. And, you know, that they identify with like something on the ground that pulls people in, that people can relate to. The biggest problem nowadays with businesses, they understand their own story and their own product. But sometimes they forget that other people don't. So they go into the technical jargon and all that kind of stuff. Whereas they should go in Mm -hmm. at the beginning, from childhood or wherever it stemmed that this changed them. And this is why they do what they do. Because Mm -hmm. for me, it is always why are you doing it? And if you're passionate about what you do, your story is going to be passionate. So I keep keeping it. Short and sweet, but with some kind of sentiment in there or some kind of emotion, because we identify with emotion as people, we communicate with emotion, and that's what makes you relatable to a customer. Mm-hmm. So
1: like for somebody starting, out, would say, um, what way should they approach um, when it comes to using storytelling for their business?
2: Well you give me an example. Give me a business, and I'll try and put it into context.
1: Well, Philip's very into his uh, cycling. So maybe it's a bicycle store.
2: Well, okay. Well, straight away, if, if if you're talking about visual story, which is photography and videography, mm-hmm. or if you're talking about the textual the story, then what you do is you try and bring it back to the, back, say, the basics of cycling. You know, we all, well, most children love cycling and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. then you get into like, you know, if racing is important here, is it is it that you love to to fix bikes? What is it about? bikes so say for example like you know you have like say the wheels of a bike so you start using that kind of language you know you start talking about the road so you you say things like you know way back then and you know um, and this is the road to my business and so you try and use the language of your product if that makes sense
1: yeah like you could start off by like why you started the bike shop up maybe um you know, and
2: see, and that's the thing, aimer. If you're passionate about something, and it it doesn't matter really what anybody else thinks, because once you show passion for your product and service, mm-hmm. right, and that shows people automatically, they they learn to trust you because they know you you know your subject inside out, um, and you know they'll come to you. But I, I think part of your story should all well. I would advise would be to educate people. So be generous with your knowledge in your stories. So, like, use a story to get like a tip out there for somebody because they will trust you. That that's building a relationship with a you know a future customer. So always remember that when you're putting a story out there, try and give like, okay, here's the problem, and here's the solution. Because we're always constantly looking for solutions to
1: something. It actually brings me back to the time when I was trying to actually teach my son how to ride his bike. Um, And, uh, you know, kids will do anything for a bar of chocolate. So I said, focus on the chocolate. And his dad was behind the bike and I went, come get the bar of chocolate. And he pedaled, got him off the stabilizers and he pedaled, you know, because he wanted the bar of chocolate. Um, he got as far as the bar of chocolate and then we had to re- try and redo it again. But, you know, then I realized the bar of chocolate wasn't a good idea because every time he'd get on the bike, he'd expect to get a bar of chocolate.
2: But, <laughs> it's like Cover's um, dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But maybe, you know, like uh, something like that could be a bit of fun, you know, um, as part of the story for the bike. Yeah. Shop. It's the carrot and the stick. Well, he preferred the carrot. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> or the bar of chocolate.
0: <laughs> yeah, pill to the dentist after all the chocolate he's been Oh, eating. yeah. Huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's,
2: that's the thing about story as well. It's so unique. You know, like that's your, you know, that story to you is unique to you and your son. Yeah. Everybody comes from different backgrounds and, you know, um, different influences. So, story is always interesting. It's just people tell it in different ways.
1: Nearly like a throwback Thursday, so you could use it as like, Mm. you know
0: um. yeah like I think like certainly when it comes to story I I think because a lot of businesses I always feel miss this out on their website or even through their social media that they sort of pass up the opportunity to talk about where they came from Mm. you know or you know how they started in there because I always kind of feel you know as I work for myself, you work for yourself, Eimear, like yourself, uh, Grace. And you always feel it does give you a lift or it inspires you. when maybe you see one of your social media heroes who talks about how he started. Yes, it was in my bedroom on a little table on a, on a small little laptop. And I just kept grinding and slugging away um, that suddenly they didn't just go from Flipping open the laptop and suddenly they were a a multimillionaire influencer around the world. You see, we
2: love love that though, Philip. We love mm -hmm. adversity and how somebody can overcome it. And that's, I go back to the hero's journey again, like in story, it's like the template of story. Um, It is a formula, but like, I mean, it's all instinctive. Like we have it there. And if you pitch somebody against the odds, you know, and that they kind of like break through that and become very successful. People want to hear that. You know, because it makes it accessible to them too, that they can do it. And you know, I think you're you're definitely right insofar as I think maybe more corporate websites tend to stay away from story because it is seen to be emotional. And I think we've been brought up in an era and hopefully it's changing, that we have to have this kind of guard um or this like emotional nearly fencing off. So that we don't reveal too much of ourselves or our personality because we will be judged on it in business. But, you know, some of the most successful entrepreneurs are the ones who just like throw caution to the wind and just go, I am what I am. I do what I do. If I do it well, well then why should it matter what people think about me? Absolutely.
1: Like we were saying earlier, like, you know, um, I'm going back to Walt Disney because I actually find it a very interesting story, but like he, as I say, started off and uh, in the garage you know, nothing like he had, like the company has evolved, but they started with that story, you know, because then it kind of appeals to other people thinking, God, that is, that's, they've evolved so far, you know, and there's hope for me, especially if I wanted to go into business myself, you know, and as you say, it's an emotional thing. People go, you know, there is hope and, you know, they started off small and they've evolved, um, do you find that people are, when you're maybe writing for a business regarding maybe their story, do you find it easy to get them to open up about that? Or do you find a lot of businesses go, oh, sure, they wouldn't be interested in that?
2: No, I, no, I do find because, like, I suppose I love story and I love hearing about other people's businesses and how, like, I would have a, a, a curiosity streak in me. Mm. Um, and sometimes you have to, like, you know ask yourself the agenda sometimes okay you're curious but you have to protect your customer as well i mean there's a sense of responsibility when you're telling a story for a customer that you're protecting their brand as well so that you don't say anything that's too risky like i mean we have a lot of clickbait stuff at the minute so headlines that are kind of controversial you know trying to pull people in because there's so much noise out there now with competitors and people wanting to, to break through that noise, there's a temptation to say something that will get somebody in. But the problem with that is that if there's no substance behind that headline, that, that grabber, then, you know, you're actually jeopardizing the integrity of your business. So when I go and meet somebody, um, it doesn't matter what business they're in. I get a sense of their personality and I take on their voice in my head. How would they say this? Because like, you know yourself, like anybody that's sensitive to things like this, you know, you you can nearly recreate their voice on page, you know, and you would hope that this is what they would say. And then you give it to them and if they're comfortable with it and want to go with it or they're happy that you were able to translate it on paper for them, then, you know, you've done your job, right? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Like Grace, I suppose like storytelling can take from me very, lots of different forms, you know, both the the written word, National Geographic do incredibly well, like with uh, visuals and imagery, you know, like yeah. a picture can tell a, t- a thousand words or such. Yeah. Then customer testimonials is a form of a story to a certain extent. Um, like how have you seen, I suppose, business storytelling evolved, you know, or how has it evolved or how you see it kind of moving forward?
2: Well, I suppose video obviously is, you know, the way to go. It can tell a million words in like 10 seconds or something. Mm. Um, I suppose, but people people's concentration spans have changed. Like we've gone from, when you had the TV growing up and you had ads every, you know, 10 minutes of a show, you had to sit through those ads. You had no choice. Mm. But with Netflix and, 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 you know, Amazon Prime, people are impatient now. They don't want to have to go through all of that. So in effect, we're, we're nearly creating a world now where we have to make our own adverts and it's become accessible because you, you couldn't, you know, make an advert, you know, for TV for less than 20,000 or plus. Mm. So now we have an opportunity to sell ourselves and sell the product, sell our service in the, in the best light that we can. But it is all about every word, and, you know, every the dialogue, should, everything has its place. So we don't have even time for like going into, you know, in depth into backgrounds and this, like, and the other, because in the first seven seconds, apparently people will judge whether they're going to listen on. It's the same in film. In the first 17 minutes of, of every feature and you mm. can check it out with Jaws and, and The Wizard of Oz and all of this, there's always the first inciting incident, which would be on conflict. So mm. conflict grabs people. So if you give a scenario of your business where there is a problem, and it's a problem for you, then that solution has to come pretty quick after that. And then you've grabbed you've grabbed what you know what you've needed to keep people interested, or for that call to action that they might pick up the phone or send an email and make contact.
1: So, I mean, so if somebody is listening in today and is sort of thinking, "Right, I'm going to try this angle," what advice, Grace, would you give to businesses? Um, when it comes to using stories for their for their business?
2: I think, I suppose the first thing I, I would say is, is to work out your connection with your own product and service and why you do it. Because that's really where the customer engagement starts for me, if I'm reading a story about somebody. So that wee bit of backstory will give you like a little window into what that person is like, why they've set up this product and service. So not to be afraid to do that. And, and try and keep the language conversational as much as you can and specific to your product and service, you know. Um, like what content I would do for a hairdressers would be chattier than, say, the content I would do for an insurance company, which would be like heavy on the jargon, which you still have to, and I have to say, doing um, explainer videos at the moment for us. Um, is really proven very effective because we go in as a seven-year-old child trying to understand a very, very complex product or service and explain it so that other people can understand.
1: Yeah, see, I've actually seen the, the explainer videos actually are quite eye-catching because then you are you actually are more likely to sit and watch that as opposed to reading
2: sometimes. Yeah. it's the visuals and it goes back to watching cartoons and, yeah. and, and particularly with whiteboard animation, it's black and white. So uh, apparently we digest, because we're black and white, that dichotomy of understanding goes back to the childlike state where we like everything to be in black and white so we can understand it. There's not, not too many grey areas to think about. So that's why the black and white animation works really well.
1: Well, Philip, sorry, she didn't yeah. mention the word grey. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Is, is, it, is that a
2: taboo <laughs> word?
1: <Is> it?
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's okay, Grace. I'm actually silver. So. <laughs> no silver
1: areas then or whatever yeah. <laughs> you know
0: um, like I think you're right, Grace. I think there's a uh, I think there's an element certainly of looking how you can craft a story that kind of brings forward that authenticity for your business, can connect with your audience and potentially will connect with certain elements of your audience through the written word or the, the visual the visual content. When you're looking at storytelling for a client and crafting a story or multiple stories, is there a a strategy or a process that you go to that other businesses could follow to to help them in that process?
2: Um, Well, say if you take video, um, like there's three types of video. There's the testimonial video, there's company overview, and then there's the explainer of your services. So I would say go and find out what type of video will actually get you there quicker with your product and service if you want to get it out of there so you identify what the USP is of that product or service and you know see how it does differ from from the others like I'm working with an amazing company at the minute and I'm so lucky because my dream as a storyteller, and, like to work in business has always been a wee bit on the philanthropic fl- fl- side, you know, and working with business.
0: Wow, that's
2: that a <fella> that big word. <Okay. Yeah. laughs> Mr. I know, and it starts Saturday. with Phil. No wonder it was awkward <laughs> to say. But um so businesses I find that have a bit of heart in them. I find story, you don't have to sell them. They have a story there. Like one particular company, um cameramatics their product and service is about saving lives. So for me, like, it, it doesn't even become part of selling. It is, it's is—it's a necessity. It's a need. You know, it, it's probably the biggest essential thing that we all look for, security. And especially now, because they're a fleet safety management company, they're out on the front line with the truck drivers, trying to protect them, make sure that they get home to their families while everybody else in the world gets fed and gets their medical supplies. So I get very invested in that kind of company because i don't feel like i'm selling it's not like i don't feel like i'm marketing something that you know that's a, an uphill struggle because it's it's a company or a service and a product that we need and is very important for mm. um, for the world to keep turning
0: it's a it's a very good point um like i don't know if you've ever seen this show on tv it's called uh pitbulls and parolees have you ever seen this is
2: that no. on netflix <laughs>
0: It's not, it's not on Netflix. I think it's on like one of the Sky channels, et cetera. Oh. Um, and the kids started to watch it because it, just like those were real dog lovers. And mm-hmm. um, I would have always had a really bad impression of pit bulls, of fishes, okay. dangerous dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose parolees, well, there are people in jail, you know, yes, you should give them a second chance, but, you know, what have they done wrong? Um, but the way the show is done, it crafts a fabulous story because... They tell the story on three different levels, the story of each dog, the mm. abuse that they've suffered, the story of the parolee, how they have worked hard to turn their life around because they go and work in this sanctuary, who is the, it's the main piece around the uh, the TV program is this sanctuary in, um, I think it's in Texas or somewhere. And they what they do is they, they rescue all these pit bulls either from the street or from, I suppose, mm. euthanasia centers, and then they employ the parolees. And they're sort of facilitating their rehab, the dog's rehab. And then you get to meet the story of the people who adopt the pit bulls. And you suddenly get, exactly as you're saying, Grace, you get sort of intertwined. You suddenly kind of, you see the passion of the owner. You suddenly kind of understand the story of the parolee and kind of, well, well, they turn their life around. And then you suddenly come away with your opinion about pit bulls being, oh, they're a lovely dog. They're just so misunderstood.
2: That's right. Yeah. But
0: it's all because of the story. If it was just a show, there's a dog, that person was in jail and now they found a good home. You wouldn't have the same, but they really invest. So it's really, it's quality storytelling, uh, if that makes sense. So. Uh,
2: and you know, Philip, I suppose the goal of that story was to build empathy and yes. to not judge a book by its cover because yeah. obviously with stigma and, you know, um prejudice and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And it, But it, At the back of that story, it's about rehabilitation, as well. You know that everything, no matter how bad it is, and within reason, you know there's a backstory to that as to why it's like that. I suppose, like if if you watch one of the best um, programs on Netflix at the minute is called My Octopus Teacher. And um, just when you're talking about, you know, documentary storytelling, and it's mm-hmm. about a man who who couldn't connect with his son and his family. He was working constantly around the clock. And then he went swimming every day and he saw an octopus. And every day he went back to visit that octopus. And they built this amazing relationship. And he found that he was a marine biologist and he was able to discover that actually octopuses are probably one of the most intelligent, you know, um, animals on, on the planet um in the way that they were able to relate to him and you know but he said that he was able to get empathy and he actually learned more about human connection through the animal than he did like human to human so uh-huh. so the story of that like when you watch that it's the most beautiful piece of storytelling and you become affected by it I think yeah. story affects us though I think when we hear some stories um you know, we, we it it has the power to make us think differently.
1: Mm. Yeah, like as you say, you don't judge a book by its cover. You know, there's so many brands out there. There's so many different businesses, um, and you kind of they if you don't have a kind of a story, as you say, then they can become very faceless
2: and cynical. Because sometimes when you hear some of the ads that banks put out, I mean, you know that behind them, like, is somebody like me, a spin doctor of story who. You know, and I'm not saying I work for banks, but I, I'm I'm lucky that, as I said, I work for for Cameramatics, which is like it, to me, it's it's more of an ethical market, and it just fits better with me. I can spin any story for any product and service, but that doesn't make me sleep better at night. Um, if 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 I work for something that I can't really sell, or it's a conflict with my values, and I think that you know, for banks and and maybe insurance companies and that that It's very, very important that, you know, what they put out there, what they say and what angle they put on their products and services, that they see that Mm truth, and I think businesses from that point of view of being authentic and being genuine, I think that makes your business successful, that you stand by your word, whatever word you put out there.
1: So, Philip, you're into strategy. Um, Do you find that you have um, business owners coming to you sometimes saying about like, you know, should I tell my story?
0: Yeah, very much so. Like, I think, I think it's very, if you're a business and you're trying to say, create content on your website or through the social channels, I think you need to really kind of be able to get back to the the nuts and bolts of, you know, why you started the business, what makes it unique. And I suppose some of the emotive elements that make it unique. You know, if you are a bike store, it's about, you know, potentially you as the owner, opening up the shop at six in the morning, working Mm. on bikes, being up in your elbows in in Greece, you know, the joy of, you know, selling someone their first bike, removing the stabilizers, all that kind of stuff. Because it then suddenly that love of what you do will transcend, you know. Um, And it's always critical though, as I say to businesses is that if you craft a story, you just don't put that out in social media and then suddenly the experience you give to a customer is the complete opposite. Yeah. Oh, we're caring and we're this and you'll have this one and then suddenly it's a disaster because, you know, with story comes authenticity but if you aren't, if you're telling a story and it's completely false because you're trying to hoodwink the audience,
2: mm-hmm.
0: as you've said, Grace, you will literally, you will destroy your brand to a point where you probably won't salvage it, you know?
2: And it's, it's very hard to roll back you know, when, when you do put a story out there, you know, and, and, and the same with the, the clickbait stuff that, you know, is there as to hoodwink people into something, you know, and that's where cynicism arises, you know, so being yourself, being true and being, you know, relatable, I think, you know, don't give ourselves enough credit for being down on the ground. And, and, and even if we do make mistakes, you know, just own up to them and like, I make mistakes all the time, but I think I've, hope that you know that I do say sorry for whatever mistakes or you know if I mess up that I can go back and I just go do you know what I did I did that wrong and you know but you can rewrite everything that's the thing you can rewrite your whole your whole life if you want to so that and that's the thing because we are storing
1: well actually don't do people like when you do mess up you know and
2: um, it, it gives you a vulnerability and um, we do like people who co- who kind of portray a certain amount of vulnerability because we're human at the end of the day. So, you know, it's just a characteristic that we all feel more comfortable about, that the expectations aren't too great. So I know we're not in psychology, but, uh, you know, but it story is probably, it's it's, it's just fascinating. Like if you take like The Wizard of Oz is my story that, that I just adore and I'm obsessed about, because if you take The Scarecrow and The Tin Man and The Lion, you know, they were more than just that. They represented America. The Scarecrow represented agriculture in America at the time. The Tin Man represented the steel industry. And the Lion represented all those brave soldiers that went to war. So, like, story hides so much more, you know. And I'm just obsessed with it.
1: <laughs> so, uh, as I say, there's a story behind the story
2: story behind story and that's probably sometimes that's where the interesting bit is to be found
1: you know I mean like there there's so many facets to a story as you would say Grace but I mean like you know is it the angle of you drip feed it out or you know to keep engagement up or do you just evolve the story you know like bring your customer on the journey what, what do you suggest to business owners what's the best way to engage with story well, I think
2: probably one of the most effective ways of you know, telling the story of your business is doing it, telling it through somebody else, i.e., another customer. So mm-hmm. for example, if you go and interview a customer who has used your service and they tell how great it is or how beneficial it has been, it's better than you telling it. So it's from their point of view, it's third party, it's, um, third person. So um you're not telling it because when we tell it from our own angle, we have our own agendas. Anyway, and we're always going to put out the best part of ourselves and our product and our service, you know. But if you give it to somebody else and you trust it over to them, and let them tell a story. And then, you know, people are going to, um, they're going to trust you more. They're going to believe what you do more. So Mm -hmm. that's the first thing I would always advise. I mean, things I would stay away from, definitely, no-nos are, I would highly recommend. That's the kind of line I would go, please please don't use that because, again, it's another glaze over. People don't want to hear that. They're hearing it every day of the week and it doesn't say anything about your service. It just says, I'd highly recommend, but they're not saying why. So always find something specific about your customer that you really help them with, that they really had a problem and you solved that for them um, situation and let them tell it. And they'll tell it in a way that you could never tell it or even script
0: it. Mm. Yeah, like I think... We had a guest on Grace uh, kind of towards the mid of last year, um, Neil Schaffer, um, kind of social media, um, had written a book called about influencer marketing, and he had has started to see the rise of companies starting to use customers and also their employees. So the employees telling stories about what it's like to work for a business, and I thought that was a very interesting strategy because there's plenty of businesses where they are great places to work. And if you get your employees to, to, I suppose, tell it from their story, it's a wonderful way to recruit new people because they see employees like themselves that suddenly kind of get a feel for, wow, this seems like the place I'd like to work. um,
2: And it also says something about, you know, um, the, the employer because I would be one if I went into like a restaurant, and I saw a young girl or fella just starting out and they're getting, you know, hassled or harangued by the manager or something. I wouldn't go back because if if you see that employees are getting treated right, you're going to trust that product and service or that business more, you know. And, And you can't fake that, you know. You really can't. But at the same time, definitely, Philip, I think, like, when you're talking about employees, if they can sell a business, it always helps. And obviously customers, they're the real storytellers and they, they will tell the truth about your product.
1: There are quite a few businesses out there actually now have this where they have them on video and they're saying why it's it's such a great place to work, why they enjoy coming every day, you know, that way, you know, um, even sometimes I, I can't remember the name of the, of the company that was doing it, but they were promoting, you know, um, for people that have maybe retired and they're coming to work, you know, as a part time role um and it makes a difference to them because they can get out they can mix you know when you retire it doesn't mean that your life is over so they're giving them something that will make them feel valued still and um you can see their enthusiasm you know um
2: and it's it's changing i mean the like if you take the the structure and interior of offices have really changed now like psychologically and physically you know um they're kinder. They, they understand the mental health um, of their staff, you know, and I'm lucky to stories. Everything's connected. But like, you know, I remember going for an interview for it was her family and I really, really wanted the job. But it was in Dublin and I had two young kids at home. There was no way I was going to be able to commute. But and I kept looking at the bean bags in the corner because they had bean bags and goes that's where we have our coffee break. And I'm going, oh my god, you know, because I worked in a meat factory when I was younger. and I worked in like really stuffy offices where you know nobody was allowed to put their head up like from the desk, and it was like this brand new way of working. Uh, mm-hmm. And anyway, I ended up doing freelance for them, but I, you know I never got the bean bags, which was for me it was the most important thing. But that it goes to show you, like. I mean, we. I know we're off subject here a wee bit, but like when it comes to like um, office and and welfare and that kind of thing, we're definitely getting better at it, and it makes a better story as well for a business, you know, to show that. Yeah. Out there now, everything's on video. Like, I mean, you know, the, the cameras are going into the offices now, so you might as well show some interesting aspects of your business while you're trying to promote.
0: Well, certainly, I know like business during COVID, you know, have used. Video really well to uh, bring that personal touch to their stories. You know how they're trying to reinvent themselves um, to bring, I suppose, to bring more of that that human element. That you know, through adversity and lockdown and all of that, uh, suddenly I think they found a new a new lease of life. Nearly, you know, for some businesses because they've suddenly realised that um, I have to now suddenly go out of my comfort zone. Uh, And suddenly it shows, as you said, Grace, earlier in the interview, um, bringing the human element back into the business that people now suddenly see beyond the bricks and mortar or the Balanchise and they see John or Mary or Michael, the staff.
2: Mm.
0: That's, you know, is is people's livelihoods. They're trying to do their best. They're trying to support their local community through what they do. Um, So that story is resonating. And I think that is starting to come more to the fore
2: you're right, Philip. Yeah, because if you, if you were to turn COVID into like an epic film, you know, mm. you, you, would, you would actually hone in on what was on behind the scenes of a family struggling to keep a business open and, mm. and, and livelihood and that kind of thing. And it is, it's all in the conflict and the adversity. And people, mm. people like that, they like hope. Mm. Um, and, you know, it has been amazing to see how uh, businesses have evolved. You know, we're, by nature, we're creative and adaptive. You know that's that's what we are. So uh, we'll always find ways. As tough as it is, we'll always find ways. You know yeah. to break through. People always like you know uh, a good end to a story.
0: Pretty you much know? so. Yeah.
2: Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> and there's not always not always good. Like, uh, do you remember the film Seven? And it was the first time it showed a Hollywood film where there was no happy end, and That's it was happy. yeah, it was yeah. it was it was quite shocking at the time because yeah. they broke the mold on on the happy ever after. Mm. So, yeah, so it's good it's good to have surprise too, though. Mm. You know, wouldn't be afraid to take a risk sometimes.
1: Well, I mean, you can't. Uh, you know, as you say, stories are ever evolving, and uh, you know, um, I think you know, in this day and age, you don't know what's around the corner. And um, and bringing your your customer, as you say, if it's through video um on that journey, they can see that how things have panned out. You know, some days you have good days and other days you don't have good days, you know. Um,
2: and, and you know, you merge, and just just on that as well, I'm just about how you represent your business. and I've seen this done where um I've seen maybe a very small business, maybe with two employees. They go out and get a video done but the video does not represent a company. They Mm -hmm. have drone shots. They have fake employees, secretaries in the office. They have all the gear on. And then what happens is it becomes very underwhelming when you go to meet that customer. And it's not the bells and whistles that they have portrayed. So I think definitely uh, authenticity. People prefer that over showiness any day, you know, Mm -hmm. because there is a temptation out there to be, oh, I have to look really professional. And there's a difference between looking really professional and and, and looking, you know, like really approachable.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, like Grace. Obviously, it's been great having you on on the show. Really enjoying our chat because uh, it me. is amazing the power of story. And mm. I think any business that's listening today uh, should really maybe take a step back if they're not using stories and try and integrate it into their content and social strategy. Um, like the type of companies that really stir your passion for storytelling and writing, et cetera. What type of companies do you love to work with, Grace?
2: Okay, well, straight off, there's one company that I'm, I'm, I'm I've mentioned one already, but there's another one as well, um, which will be a more short-lived one, and um, is around a, a kind of a disruptive, if we want to use a marketing buzzword, product and service, which is water cremation. It is the first in Ireland. Right, um, And mm-hmm. for me, I suppose, Philip, I love the challenge of telling a story that Nick, that is nearly dangerous to tell because when it comes to things like death, and we did one for an afterlife service as well, my challenge is always finding the right narrative, that it's not too morbid and it's not too flippant. Um, and finding out, like, why would somebody choose this business? You know, what is it about them? And, you know... Like, what is the benefits of it? Like, for example, you know, I'm probably not meant to bring up religion and stuff, but like growing up, like we, we would, well, I would have been brought up with the idea of hell. So cremation wouldn't have appealed to me, Neither, you know. Um, so I would have, you know, kind of equated that to hell, a cremation. Water cremation, to me, just sounds so much more soothing. And because water is, is naturally a soothing element and we're basically seventy eight percent water anyway. So we'll go back into the, the system that way. So it's finding that kind of, you know, um, just the right tone for a business that, mm-hmm. you know, represents it in a way that it won't turn people off. It won't mm-hmm. scare people. Um, and it would actually maybe soothe people. And mm-hmm. that for me is what, because I like to be soothed myself. I understand the need to be soothed on certain things, and if it's around something like something as dark as you know, funeral services mm-hmm. that we don't like to talk about. So it's it's products and services that we don't really know how to talk about, say, because we, we grew up mm-hmm. in my society, we would have grown up not being able to talk about certain things. So I like mm-hmm. to swing a story around things maybe that were taboo um, and things like that. But the other thing is. And I I've said this before. It's companies that have that wee bit of heart that they're actually doing something. That there is a purpose to it. That, like, say with Cameramatics, they're saving lives. They're protecting those truck drivers that are out there day in and day day out. And like, have to. And it's not just even saving lives. They're like, they can go under at any minute. These companies, these trucking companies, because the insurance and um, premiums have got so high. And what my job is to like try and take the legal stuff away from it and go behind it and create empathy for businesses that can't go under because of legality and stuff like that. And so actually they do have, they have a, a great purpose. And if they go under society, and community will not benefit from that. They'll actually suffer from it. So I suppose I'm kind of like, I like the underdogs too, you
1: know? Mm. So as you say, you know, um, Empathy really does um, pull people in and um, even it no matter what kind of business, if you have that angle, you can maybe, you know, draw more people in and get them to understand you and where you've been and where you're going. And uh, then they're more likely to be more intrigued, maybe come and visit your store or buy from you. Would I be right, Grace?
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, and Emer as you say, It it is creating empathy and and a passion as well because, like, say, for example, we we did some work with um, a dog trainer recently, and actually, you know her, Ema, uh, Mary Farley, an amazing woman. And um, like, she eats and breeds dogs. She understands during COVID how important pets have become to us. So her story was so easy to tell. um, Mm -hmm. And and I think you can put the COVID swing on it because. You know, these dogs have been at home with us. My own dog is there. And if I was to leave the house now after lockdown, there's going to be separation anxiety there because he's been so used to me being there. So, like, you know, if you can find that little purpose in there, you know, then people will pick up on it. They'll identify and value your service for what it is, you know.
1: That's fantastic, Grace. I mean, I can say, um, uh, Philip, you love your dogs and, um, oh, I do. Yeah. If you were to leave the house tonight, <laughs> would they want to go with you?
0: <laughs> yeah. Like certainly the, uh, the Vista now, like she's the one and a half now and they're called the Velcro dog. And like literally when you sit down, she has to be draped. Oh, draped over you, you know, to, Yeah. Yeah. She's a lovely, lovely dog. Um, um, now, she's quite good, actually. Sometimes when, we, when we've when we had to leave the house, she has her crate and all her blankets and she'll snuggle in there. Um, mm. And the other one who's a cavalier is, um, she just snores her brains out. <laughs> she literally <laughs> is a snoring machine, you know, because so, uh, she's nine now. She's just the yeah, old meteor, you know. Mm. But yeah, no, I think um, if you can find I, I think, like especially when it comes to dogs, and like any any of the material that I would have seen, say, with dogs trust or the ISPCC, or like I mentioned, <coughs> hmm. excuse me, you know, poodles and pitbulls, when you get that story, uh, because myself, my wife, and the kids, we hate to see say animals being mistreated and stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, it's terrible, you yeah. know. And and when you invest yourself into say, from say, where you see the dog was picked up and had been abused, and suddenly. You know, you, you, you follow its path from, say, being rehabilitated to gaining trust again. And suddenly there are two years now, they visit the family with the dog. You're sort of invested in it, you know, mm. because I'm the target on it, you know, to a certain extent.
2: And that's see, that's the thing about dogs that like I've seen in situations where, you know, in classroom situation, if I've been teaching creative writing, let's say with um, special needs, you know, how animals can actually help with communication and that's what Mary from the Dog Knows does. She helps animals teach humans empathy because, like, they're nonverbal, and a lot of theirs is, is through their eyes, as you know, with your own dog, mm. and the loyalty and, and compassion, and you know, they're there. And you know, I suppose, like, if children learn at a young age how to treat an animal properly, they're they're going to be better adjusted, I think, mm. in later life with, with other humans if they can create that empathy. You know, with an animal and like, you'd be surprised at what you think you're doing right with your, with your dog that you're not, you know, and I was one of them. I was treating my dog like a child and he's 14 now and um, he's a little King Henry VIII, I call him because he has that kind of um, stance about him, but you know, I, I, I was treating him like a child. And I probably will now because he's 14. I'm not going to change now. But if I was to do it all over again, I would go to somebody like Mary who understands dogs, who understands what's healthier for them. Not necessarily healthier for me as the owner, but what's best for them. Because, yes. you know, um, we we get dogs for different reasons. And as you talk about dogs and distress, Philip, I'm sure when you pick up like or read online about dogs, the way they're they're treated, it invokes so much anger and distress in you. And I think story does that. And, and newspapers and online magazines and, and uh, that, they know that, they understand how story is so powerful that it mm. makes people feel things and do things. Like even anger is not is not a, a completely destructive feeling. Anger can be very good if it's put to good use and change it. mm.
0: This It's channeled, you know, to a certain extent. You yeah, can exactly. Yeah. Like grace has been it's been brilliant having you with us today oh, like we, we, we wish we had more time yeah, um, yeah. Uh, like where would you like to send people if they want to find out more about you and maybe chat with you or if they need need to get in contact with you for for storytelling advice or or help
2: well I suppose look you know I'm on the end of the phone um, I don't know if you give out phone numbers or not and that, um, on on online um so uh, we have a website there it's sky daddy media um and look you know it's like i think what you two are doing is amazing these are helping yes, really people, much. you're educating you know people around businesses and especially at this time when it's most important people need you know help and support and so i you know i i'd be happy to do the same because when you're passionate about something it doesn't it's not work is it really like, you know, and so I suppose that's it for the back. Just I'm there. And if anybody wants to ask anything,
1: they can. No problem. That's great.
0: You've been that's Very, very
1: Yeah, you, you have to say you've been really, really um, insightful regarding storytelling because a lot of people think, oh, I just went, I came from here and I did this and now I'm doing this. They don't really unfold the, the full story. So mm. um, thank you for your time
2: today. Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you for uh, having me on. And I really admire yes. what you do. Thank you very much. There you much. go, Philip. Okay. There you go. Awesome.
0: <laughs> our, our story and no, are you, you,
2: you going to finish off with a joke for me now?
0: I could, I could, I could give you, I could give you one last joke if you'd like. Um, what is uh, uh, Dracula's favourite type of marketing?
2: Oh, I was born on Halloween, so this really suits me. Yeah. Um, I don't know.
0: Account-based marketing. Oh, uh, uh,
2: uh. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So so there you go, folks. Thank Uh, you, thank you for that. No, absolutely. You can you can take that one to the grave, I suppose. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Well, I suppose all I have to say now is if you enjoyed today's show, you can catch it again and the other shows on the Let's Get Social Show podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and of course, on the Dublin South FM website. So do please download and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And until next Friday at 2pm, I've been Philip Twyfe, the Curly Marketer. And
1: I've been Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media.
0: And we'll see you next Friday at 2pm for more Let's Get Social.
1: See you then. Bye.